Hi, my name's Stephen, and this week we're taking a pause from the Buried series that we've been doing this term, and we've come outside to look at a time to plant. It's our June giving campaign. We're joining across our five services, whether you're at Hangleton or at Hove or Shoreham, at one of the two services at New England, looking at giving our money to starting new churches. Not just joining with our five services, but also churches outside of us in our little family. Looking at planting into new places like Krakow, Belfast, Bath and London Bridge. As we do so, we're going to look at scripture from Matthew 22. And we're going to ask ourselves a question. The question is simply this, can you answer it for yourself? How would you summarise what the Bible requires of you? What is it Jesus that requires of you as you are Christian? Have you thought about that question? Are you able to answer it? Are you able to answer it succinctly if you're a believer? Do you know what you're following Jesus into or what he's asking you to do? Or maybe you're one of the many people that joins us each Sunday and is looking into the Christian faith. Well, that's a good question for you to ask as well. What is Christianity going to ask or require of you? Maybe you've come along because you want some of the blessings of it, but there are requirements. If you're going to make him Lord and Master. Thankfully, the answer is quite easy to come by because in, our, in today's passage in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39, Jesus answers it himself. Because he is approached by some religious leaders and they put one of them forward, a kind of religious expert, and he asked Jesus the question, what's the greatest commandment in all the scriptures? And this is what Jesus says. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. Just a few short sentences there describing what the Bible requires of us. Let me read those sentences to you again. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus summarises all that's required of us by simply saying, love God and love people. Seems so simple, at least on the surface. And those simple phrases are why we are embarking on yet another giving campaign, talking about money yet again. Not because we care about money, but because we care about what God cares about. We care about people. We want to love them and love him as well. So as we unpack these verses, those are the themes we're going to be looking at. Let me pray for us before we get into it. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you're with us right now. Thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for what they say about you, Tell us, telling us that you are love itself. God is love. And when we're looking at love, we're looking at emulating you. And we pray as we go through our service, as we go through this sermon, I pray our key kind of mind uh, kind of set would be to know more of you, to know more of your love in our lives, as well as a call to love you in return and love others. But help all of us to have our ears open to the things that you want to say. Have our hearts and minds ready to be shaped by the way that you want to shape them, we pray. All of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, we are commanded to love. Jesus seems to be saying to us today, there's a demand on you to love. There's a requirement of you to love. Which kind of, in one sense, smacks against our idea of love. We feel like we should be giving love freely. It should be a choice that we have rather than it being kind of called out of us. But when we understand the context of the Bible, understand the context of this verse, we'll realise that it is the most appropriate thing for us to do, to love in return to the love that God has given to us. It's not something that is a cold, hard, religious rule, but that's something that actually wraps up in joy and liberty. Let me try and illustrate this from a young love. My brother Paul, 
when he was dating his then girlfriend, now wife, Naomi, uh, was working with me at the time when he was dating with her, dating her. And uh, he was uh, texting her one day and uh, she was telling him that she was feeling pretty poorly. She was feeling run down, she had a cold, she had a cough. And so they were texting back and forth every break during the day. And uh, she was saying, I'm not feeling very well. And he said, like, I'm sorry, baby, that's not nice for you. And there's like kissy, kissy, all that kind of stuff on the text. And uh, then that evening, he gives her a call. Because unfortunately, Naomi lived 108 miles away at that time. Paul lived in Brighton, but she lived in Broadstairs. And so he calls her up and says, Naomi, how are you feeling? And uh, she said, oh, I'm still feeling poor. I'm not feeling great. He says, maybe you need a packet of strepsils. And she said, yeah, that would be great. And he says to her, well, then look outside. And so Naomi goes to her window of her first floor, Victorian Terrace, opens the windows, parts the curtains, goes to a balcony, looks down the street. And who's there? Lo and behold, Paul. Paul, her knight in shining armour with his packet of strepsils to give to her. He'd driven straight from work to go and see her just to deliver strepsils, stayed for a very short while, and then drove back to Brighton so he could be ready for work in the morning. That is love. That's what love demands. Naomi didn't demand it for him, but the love they have for her did. He sat in the pub saying to these mates, uh, I think I'm going to go and drive and give my girlfriend a packet of strepsils. I'm sure he would have been argued out of it. But actually love in his heart responded to the need that he saw that said, I want to go and express my love to her. Now I could have told this story a different way. I could have said, one day I was working with Paul, at the end of the day, he felt like he needed to go and take a pack of strepsils to some girl in Broadstairs. It's not quite as inspiring, is it? But when we understand the details, when we understand the love that's in a person's heart, suddenly we kind of see the context of why someone might do something like that. Why is that relevant today? Well, because we're presented today with an opportunity to bring financial offerings to God, but also for the good of churches and for people that we don't necessarily know. To bless people from other places, other cultural groupings. People who are very different to us culturally, maybe even speak different languages like the people of Belfast. Have you maybe got a mindset of saying, what have these people got to do with me? Why should I give? Why is Jesus saying, give to my neighbour? Is that not my next door neighbour? Well, we look at the scriptures, we say that Jesus' view of neighbour is very expansive indeed. When he tells the story of the good Samaritan, he asks at the end of that, who's the being the good neighbour here? And it was the Samaritan. The Samaritan who helped someone who really was his cultural enemy in life. But in the story, he's the one who expresses love. to someone who's beaten up and left by the side of the road someone who should have been loved by others who are obligated to love by him, he's the one that steps in, who steps across the fence, steps across the bloodline, steps across the cultural lines to love. That's the kind of neighbour we're to love. We're to have a global love for other people. But why would we do that? Why would we put ourselves in this position? Well, my prayer is that these financial offerings would actually be offerings of love, that we would feel a sense of demand and obligation not that it comes from cold, hard law, but from a love that we've received, from a joy-wrapped demand that comes from heaven itself. But how do we cultivate this kind of reflex of love? Paul, when he saw our need, the reflex was to kind of find some generous way, extravagant way of expressing love to Naomi. How do we kind of get that kind of reflex in our everyday loving of our neighbour, both locally and globally? Maybe we just need to get to know other people better. 
I thought the comms team done a really good job of capturing some of the stories of people around our little family of churches last week, seeing Dan's story. Dan Will, who is here in Brighton, who then went to be part of the Belfast church plant. Hearing some of his story, yes, you know what? My heart is moved. I think, oh, I want to give to what Dan's involved in. That really helped me in one level, but it doesn't act ultimately help. It soon runs out because we started interviewing everyone around the church. You suddenly find people that you don't necessarily like that much or you get to know a bit more, you realise they're flawed people. Do I really want to give to them? And suddenly our love for them may begin to wane if it's based upon who they are. Because ultimately our love is selfish. Even, my, even with my story about Paul, there is payback. You know, he, he, he loved Naomi and you didn't get anything in that moment, but he got a wife at the end of it. It worked out for him. Generally, our love exists as long as we get something back. It's not our love that we can rely on. We need God's love in our lives, in our hearts. We don't want what our love can achieve. We want heaven-shaped, Jesus-shaped love. Jesus says this in John chapter 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Just as I have loved you, we're to love in the way that Jesus loves. We're to love one another, love our neighbour, love the people of the world, and the kind of love that Jesus exhibits. As he has loved us, we are to love as well. So the question is then, how does Jesus love? Well, he loves without requiring anything in return, without reference even to how deserving the other person is. It says this in Romans 5, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Even when he knew we would continue to reject him, treat him badly, fail to love him and our fellow people. He loved us before we showed any love to him. He states it here pretty boldly. Even while you're still sinners or while you're still his enemy, he chose to love you. Any love that we have for God, any faith, any trust that we end up showing, any dedication or devotion is only ever because he first loved us, because his light shone into our lives, it says in 2 Corinthians. Or here is 1 John 4 says, we love because he first loved us. Our ability to love other people, our ability to love him comes into our life because he has first loved us. And that's not just for Christians, that's for all people. Any good that we see around us, other people's ability to love is because we're made in the image of God who is love. Now our love is flawed, it's faltering, it runs out, but God's love when it comes into our life, it is eternal and has eternal ramifications. So for us to fulfill the greatest part of Jesus' first commandment, to love God with all our hearts, souls and minds, it's only because possible because God first loved us. It's a bit like how the moon reflects the light of the sun. The moon has no luminosity of its own. Any light that we receive from the moon is because the sun is shining upon it. The light that it reflects is but a pale, insignificant version of what the sun has. When you stand in the full bright sun, it's something totally different in one sense to what the moon gives. It gives warmth and great power and heat. You have to put shades on and sun cream. The moon produces some light though, but even the light that it receives, it comes from the sun. Equally, our love for God, our ability to love him with our heart, mind and souls comes because God's love comes upon us. It's just reflecting back to him what his light has given to us. His love is pure and unadulterated. Ours is dim compared to it. God's love for us is extraordinary. No one has done what he has done by opening up his arms. 
to us, having his hands nailed to a cross on our behalf, receiving the punishment for our sin, who patiently bears with us as we continue to take him for granted, wander into all kinds of trouble and offence again and again. He guides us back to himself each day, graciously giving us his mercy. He doesn't reflect our love. He doesn't love based upon what we give him or what we could ever give to him. There's nothing that you can give to him that he requires. In fact, it would be offensive to even begin to try and earn or buy his love or impress him by our efforts. Being at church today, reading your Bible, giving big into this gift day or looking after the poor, add nothing to the love he has for you. Why? Because he already loves you perfectly. He has done so since the beginning of the earth. Even before it begun to spin on its axis, he loved you. He loved you before you even, ever thought of him. In fact, before you even had a thought in your head. In fact, before anyone who had anyone, before anyone had ever had a thought, before people existed, God had already stored up a whole bunch of precious thoughts about you. He had already enacted a plan to love you, to rescue you from your weakness, from your path of destruction, to bring you into his glorious light and to love you and bring you into a relationship with him that would last for all eternity. This is his love. A love that knows no bounds and led him all the way to death and to the cross for you. We call the day upon which Jesus died, Good Friday. Why was it good? Because it's the day in which the full light of his son shone upon us. Light as he died upon the cross that we might receive his love and his goodness in our life as he was lifted up. Today, as we get our offerings to God, we're not earning his love. There is no more love to earn. It's already been given to you in its full measure. Today, we give as the moon gives its light back to the sun, just as a reflection of the love that we have received. When we talk about a command, it's like the sun commanding the moon. The sun commands the moon to shine back to it by shining upon it. So today, if you don't yet know what it is to receive God's love to you, May I suggest today that today's gift day is not about what you can give, but about receiving God's gift for you, receiving his love. No doubt at the end of my sermon today, in each of our services, there's going to be a moment at some point where we're going to get to take our envelopes and maybe write down the amount we've given as we kind of scan the QR code. Or maybe if we put cash or checks in the envelope and then walk forward and put them in a container of some kind. But if you don't yet know God's love, maybe today is the day you say, thank you, Jesus. Write that on your envelope instead. Instead of writing an amount, we don't want your money, we want you to know God's love. Maybe today's the day you receive it. Come forward as an act of saying, God, I receive your love in my life. In the same way the moon receives the light of God's love, receive it as he shines upon you. And maybe you're not quite ready there. You're not there yet, you're not quite ready. Maybe you write in your envelope, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And go forward, walk forward, put it in the container as an act of saying, God, I want you in my life. But if you do know him, let your light shine today. Let your love shine back to him. In one sense, we can stop here. God, just basking in the love of God and having an opportunity to reflect it back to him. But in our passage earlier, we read that loving God was just one part of it. The other part was then love our neighbour as ourselves. To help us with that, let's return again to our illustration of the moon. Because God put the moon in the sky Yes, to affect the waves and the tides, but also to put light upon the earth. It doesn't just reflect light back to the sun, it reflects light upon to a dark earth. And sometimes in amazing ways. 
It doesn't have any light source again of itself. It's just reflecting the sun's beams bouncing off the surface and back upon the earth. One time, myself and Emma, we went on holiday to Wales. Went with some friends of ours, stayed in a lovely farmhouse and I went for Christmas. And uh, as we begun to arrive just a few days before Christmas, the snow started to fall to the point where we woke up on Christmas morning and the place was covered with a blanket of thick snow. And uh, we enjoyed Christmas Day, having a white Christmas and building snowmen and having snowball fights. But that night, we went for a midnight walk and it was a clear sky and the moon was full. And it was crazy, the experience. So bright was the light, bouncing off all the white surfaces. It felt like more like a cloudy day than it did the middle of the night. We had a shadow on the ground. We needed no torches to guide our path and guide our way. The light of the moon was enough. But it didn't come from the moon. It still came from the sun. There's not, nothing compared to an actual sunny day of standing in the sun. We still didn't need sun cream, we didn't need sunshades, and it was definitely not warmer because of it. In the same way that our ability to reflect God's love doesn't mean we can become God. We can't save people, we can't love people with the intensity that God can, but we can reflect his love to others. And that's what we're asking, that's what we're being asked to do today. We can show love for others, but we can only show love for others as much as we receive the love of God. So this full moon is able to express more light than moons in other phases. So when the moon's in another phase, maybe half moon, maybe quarter moon, doesn't reflect as much, or maybe a total eclipse. Maybe I can ask you the question, how much right now do you feel like you're receiving the full light of God's love into your light, into your life? I encourage you for your, for your own sake, open yourself up to God, receive his love, go again to the scriptures, not based upon how you're feeling, not the ups and downs of life, but the truth that it contains. Objectively, he did go to the cross for you. He does love you each and every day. His mercy is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He is long-suffering and patient with you. He loves you. He loves you in your circumstance. Are you able to just receive that love from him today? And may you be holding at arm's length. Maybe there's sin in your life. Maybe there's other distractions. Maybe today is an opportunity to put those things aside. Let me say to you, the more of Jesus you know, the more of Jesus' love you can show. When the moon is at its fullest, it can provide the most light. Come and look at him today. Wonder at his love and grace for you. Come and look at the cross where he died for you. It's not about how you feel. It's about the objective truth of who he is and what he's done. Because when you do, when you see this amazing love, you reflect it back to him. But you also find yourself wanting to reflect it to others. In the same way, the moon can't help but reflect that, love, that light onto the earth. When you know God's light in your, uh, your, God's love in your life, you can't help but to reflect it to those around you. Suddenly you're thinking, I want to jump in a car and drive 108 miles. I want to put money into the containers as an expression of love for God and for those who we're going church planting with. You want to tell your neighbours about the love of God. You want to forgive that person that's helped you, hurt you. You want to pray for that person who's been most challenging in your life. Isaac Watts, in his famous hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, describes it this way. Were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. He's saying that even if everything in the world was mine, if I offered that to you, God, it wouldn't be enough because your love is so great. This love of God is so vast, so wonderful, so amazing, so divine. 
What can we do but respond in love? It's not a cold, hard command and demand. No, it's one that's wrapped up in joy and wrapped up in response. But let me ask you a question. How do we express this love to God? How do we give it back with all our soul and life and heart to him? Simply by showing it to others. That's part of it. How do we do the first of Jesus' commandments to love God with our soul, mind and hearts? In large part, by doing the second, by loving our neighbours as ourselves. The Apostle John says it another way. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Can you point to ways that you love your neighbour? Can you point to ways that you love other people as a demonstration of the fact that you know love, love God's love and love him in return? And as we look this month across the month of June and the time to plant, let me suggest two ways in which you can demonstrate your love for Jesus by loving other people. They're under two headings. The first heading is by going. Let's, let's, look by looking, let's start by looking at what it means to go. Emmanuel here in Brighton is part of a family of churches called New Frontiers. In fact, a family that started here in Brighton and have been part of it for 40 long years and is now numbering into thousands of churches around the globe. And so over the years, God has shaped this little family, kind of birthed it in a place where he wanted to restore the church back to what we see it, see it should be in the page on scripture. But as, as over the years it's progressed and God's spoken other things into it, it's had a real uh, call to go and plant other churches, not just establish the ones that we have, but go and plant new ones in line with what the scripture said, but also in line with different words, prophecies, visions and dreams that the leaders have had over the years. And as I was preparing today's sermon, I was drawn to one from a couple of decades ago that a guy called Guy Miller had. He's now a pastor in Westminster Chapel. And here a picture, he felt like God gave him a vision of a field, a field full of flowers, yellow and orange. And as he got closer to this field in his dream, he realised that they were dandelions. And as he was looking upon the field, the dandelions turned grey as the flowers faded and the seed heads popped. And these dandelion clocks, the wind blew upon them and the seeds scattered far and wide. And there was a point in our family history where we had a very successful Bible festival called Stonely that met with tens of thousands of believers, put amazing amounts of energy and resource and making it brilliant. It was an excellent event. But decided to shut it. And instead of put that energy, that time and resource, not in meeting together, but spreading out with the seeds of the gospel, back to the cities in which there were churches that already existed, cities, towns and villages, but also go to new places with the gospel. Two decades later, there are literally hundreds of more churches because of a response to that DNA, the response to that word that was given. It's right in us and who we are. So today as Emmanuel, that's part of our family history. Yes, we're to be those who do a good job here in the city, but we're also to be those who keep going to other places as well. So maybe the month of June is your transfer, transfer window. Maybe God is uprooting you. Maybe he's turning you from being a bright flower here into a dandelion clock that needs to be blown upon by God to go somewhere else. Maybe it's time to uproot your life, your family, your job, whatever it may be, and go to somewhere else. Maybe it's time for you to jump on a train and go to visit London Bridge. Maybe it's time for you to get in a car and drive to Bath. Maybe to get a domestic flight to Belfast or maybe an international flight to Krakow. Maybe it's one of those four places or maybe it's somewhere else. As one of the church elders here, I want to say if you're part of us, we love you. And we want you to stay, but more than that, we want you to pursue the adventures that God has for you. And if it's God's calling you to go somewhere else, we want to be the first to say, go. 
That's a way in which you can love God and love other people by taking the love of God that he's put in you and taking it to other people. Is that you? Is God speaking to you in this month? Respond to him. Come and talk to us. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray with you. And it's not because Guy Miller had a dream. It's because we see it in scripture as well. Matthew 28, Jesus said to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Again, in Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Some of you, those phrases, all nations and to the ends of the earth are really resonating. Grab hold of them. Let us send you. But what about the rest of us? If we're not, that'd be applicable to some of us, but most of us, we're going to stay in Shoreham. We're going to stay in Hope. We're going to stay in Brighton. Well, I guess we can just watch on, can we, as others have adventures? No, no, no. We're all to have adventures. We're all to go. And uh, 20 years ago, I guess, when I first joined New Frontiers and joined this church, there's lots of chats about going. Uh, but I remember when Joel turned up on the scene here in Emmanuel, and uh, he started saying, yes, we are to go to other places, but we're also to go to the places that God has put us now. We're to be those who go into Bryson, and we're to go into Hove, and we're to go to Shoreham with the love of God. My friend started saying, stay is the new go. Because no matter where you are, we're all called to go, express our love to our neighbour. Sometimes it's to the person in the same room. Sometimes it's a person across the fence. Sometimes it is to another nation. We're all to go. We're all to go on adventure with God. So going is one way that we can express love for others. What's my second point and my last point though? No guesses here. It also begins with G. Giving. Giving is another way that we can express love to our neighbour. That we can fulfil this joy-wrapped command. Giving money is a tangible way in which we can show our love for our global neighbour. Helping us to plant and establish these churches, a way of taking the seeds of God's love and placing it in other places. It's a way of reflecting the love of God's Son to other people. Maybe right now you're struggling with your relationship with God. Maybe you're struggling to love people in other places. Let me tell you, put your money, express love today in the gift day and it will help warm your love towards God and warm your love towards other people as well. As we send these seeds of the gospel, new church plants elsewhere, they are going to go down into the ground. They're going to get grow and get established in these places. But there'll be places that you maybe never end up going to. I know, for example, in the last 12 to 18 months, we've given money for churches in Ukraine and Syria, in Turkey and in Kenya to churches that I think I personally will never end up uh, going to. And we've given money to help them, particularly with different situations that they've been facing. And we know enough to know that good people on the ground there and use the money as we've kind of given uh, to the particular cause that it's for. But we don't know much more about that. They're people I'm never going to meet. People you're probably never going to meet. You don't even know the names of. And today we're going to give towards church plants, churches again you might, that you may never visit. People you might never meet. But I want to say to you, just because you don't see the tree planted, just because you don't see the tree begin to grow or develop or get established, doesn't mean you won't get to see the fruit. You will get to see the fruit. Well, the places of Ukraine, Turkey, Syria, Kenya, Belfast, Bath, Krakow, London Bridge, you may never visit those churches. But you know what? You will get to see the fruit. Because there will come a time where we no longer have to go church planting. Jesus will come back. A new heaven, a new earth will be established. And our main kind of uh, aim of those, that time, that period in our life of all eternity will be to enjoy Jesus, to enjoy the light of his love perfectly upon our life. We'll also spend that time bumping into people, maybe bumping into loved ones that we've lost, also bumping into people that we didn't get to meet in our time upon the earth. 
but people who know us. And they know us because they know that your money helped establish the church that changed their life, changed the course of their eternity and destiny. They'll bump into you and say, oh, when you gave your money into that gift, they helped establish a venue down my road that I was able to visit and I began to feel my heart warm as I sat in worship. Your money paid for this pastor who's able to sit down and explain the truths of the gospel and the forgiveness of my sins. Your money helps provide an alpha course where I could ask my questions. Your money helped provide a children's work that my children could grow up and understand the beauty of the gospel. You have the joy of meeting the fruit of your giving today. As you love others that you're not going to meet now, but you will meet and rub shoulders with in eternity. Let me finish by saying this. In the new heaven and new earth, there will be no more darkness. There will be no sun or moon. Jesus himself will be our light that is never obscured ever again. But you can still reflect his love even today. We will join with all believers who have ever lived and are living and who will come after us in all places around the world, gathered in wonder to the great lover of our soul, who knows what it was to go. I say that's going today. You know, Jesus knows what it was to go. He went from heaven to earth and all the way to the cross. When I talk about giving in love today, Jesus knows what it was to give. He gave his life on the cross for us. Gave it up, his life, his blood for you and me. This love is so amazing, so divine. It demands our soul, our life, our all, our going and our giving. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, please let us be aware of the full light of your love shining upon us. Let us be like a full moon receiving it well but reflecting it back to you, but also reflecting it upon the earth as well. Help us to be those who are good at going to those around us, to our neighbours, whether that's just down the road, Lord God, or whether that's to the ends of the earth. I pray, God, would you lead us in great adventures for you, adventures of love. Help them to be, help us to respond to this command, this joy-wrapped command to love you and to love others. Help us to do that today, even as we give as well, Lord God. Help us to be generous as you've been so generous to us with your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.